a solid rock we stand. And Lord, we pray that we'll, we'll stand on that rock till Jesus returns. Amen. Nothing will take us away from that rock. Amen. Nothing will move us. Amen. We will be unshakable. Amen. To the glory and to the praise of your name. Amen. Breathe upon your word this morning. Amen. Give it light. Amen. And give it life. Let our lives be touched in a special way. Amen. Let lives be transformed. Amen. And let your name be glorified. Amen. Lord, we bless you and thank you. Amen. Accept our thanks, O God. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped. Hallelujah. Shall we give Jesus a clap offering for that wonderful, wonderful ministration? God bless you, choir. That was powerful. Hallelujah. And thank you also, Brother Austin, for that revelation while we are praying that each one of us we are the acts of God. Job chapter 5, verse 12 says, God disappoints the devices of the crafty so that they will not be able to perform their enterprise. For the enemy to be able to perform his enterprise in our lives, he needs the head and he needs the hands. And those hands have been cut off. As you go on from today, wherever you go, everyone standing against the fulfillment of your destiny, their heads will be cut off. Their hands will be cut off. They will not be able to perform their enterprise in your life and in your destinies in the name of Jesus. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Okay. The subject of our meditation this morning, I've titled it, Being Watchful in Season and Out of Season. Being watchful in season and out of season. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Second Timothy chapter 4. I will read from verse 1 to 4. Second Timothy chapter 4 from verse 1 to 4. I'll be reading mostly today from the King James Version. I guess I was a bit... A bit lazy. I could not use the other translations because of time and all that that I had in getting ready for the service. But God will translate to you and give you understanding in the name of Jesus. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 4, I read. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. Exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come. I need you to note this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine 
But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Mm. May this not be our portion. Amen. Where we turn away from the truth in the name of Jesus. This to me looks like a scripture that was inspired for a time like this. And these kinds of scriptures are scriptures that confirm the omniscience of God. By omniscience we mean the endless unsearchable knowledge of God. Knowledge of yesterday, knowledge of today, and knowledge of the future. This scripture was inspired thousands of years ago, but today is very relevant as though it was written today for us. Generally, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 4 we just read, is warning us of the danger of deception. Can I repeat that? Is warning us of the danger or dangers of deception. There's so much deception today. And interestingly, believers or so-called believers are falling for it. Which is why we want to talk about it today. You know, we said in him was life. And the life was the light of men. I pray that God will shed light upon our paths that we will not be sucked up by deception in the name of Jesus. Verse 3 tells us a time is coming and I would say perhaps now is when people will no longer be interested in sound teaching. A time when truth begins to irritate those who are hearing it. Because they would rather you tell them the things that they want to hear. But verse 5 cautions. It cautions us and says, Watch thou in all things. In other words, be vigilant. Be vigilant. To be vigilant is to be watchful. To be vigilant is to be ready. You know the story of the ten virgins? Ten virgins were waiting for the groom to come. Five were ready, and the other five were not. But the ten of them were prepared. There's a difference between preparedness and readiness, even though they sound alike. Ten of them were prepared. But five were ready. You know, you can be prepared for an examination and yet not be ready for it. On the day of the examination, you fit to set your alarm clock and you overslept and woke up five minutes after the exams. Or, you can even wake up in time, but only to get to the exam hall 
and realize that you did not come with your pen and your ID card that should identify you as a candidate for the exams. You prepared, but you were not ready. So verse 5 says, Be watchful. Watch thou. Be vigilant. That is why the Bible says, Woe to them who are what? At ease in Zion. As a child of God, there's no room for us to be at ease. We must always be what? On our toes. And be watchful. Because the devil is very subtle. The Apostle Paul, in cautioning the reader to watch, is not talking to unbelievers. Though. No. Rather, he's talking to us believers to be watchful. He's talking to those who are spirit-filled. Those who are anointed. He's saying, be watchful. He's saying, be vigilant. Because the line between the truth and deception could be very thin and blood and veiled such that believers themselves could fall for it. Believers who are not vigilant may not notice the difference. And because the line is so thin and this race is a marathon, do all you can to complete your race. There's no room to be at ease. Ephesians chapter 6, Apostle Paul speaking to us again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to verse 13. Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. What are wiles? The deceptions of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, or that you may be able to resist the enemy, and having done all, to do what? To stand. Let me say this again. No matter how anointed you are, and I hope somebody's listening, be aware that the enemy, the devil, is a master of the game of deception. He's a master. You know, there's this story of King Heab. King Ahab of Israel, when he wanted to go to war to recover Ramoth Gilead. In that story, he requested Jehoshaphat. Uh, Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. Judah and Israel were brother and sister nations. So he requested King Jehoshaphat of Judah to join forces with him in order to be able to fight the battle against, to recover Ramoth Gilead. But before going to war, 
Jehoshaphat asked that they look for a prophet of the Lord who will tell them whether they will succeed in the war or they will not. So what did King Ahab do? He summoned 400 prophets, 400, to tell him whether they should go to war or not. And the 400 prophets said, let me use our local parlance, go on song, <laughs> go on song, go, God has given you victory. But King Jehoshaphat, who was a godly person, or perhaps a more godly person than King Ahab, smelled the rat. And he said, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we can inquire from? And King Ahab replied to him and said, yes, there is one, but I don't like him because he's always prophesying trouble. I don't like him. His name is my care. And Jehoshaphat said, let's call him. Let him come and tell us what we should do. So he sent his messengers to go and fetch my care, the prophet. And when the messenger got there, the messenger said, hey, hey prophet, 400 prophets have prophesied though. And they have told the king to go on song. Please, when you go there, do the same thing. No? Don't say something different. And Micah followed them. He followed them to King Ahab. And when he got there, he got tempted. And he told the king, Ahab, he said to him, go on song. <laughs> and the king said, you see, this thing you are doing, I know you are just doing it to make me happy. Eh? You know, I've always said this. Will you tell me the truth? And my kid cleared his throat. I said, <clears throat> okay, let me tell you the truth. This battle you are going, you will not come back alive. And he turned to Jehoshaphat. You see, I told you, this man will never prophesy anything good. But in my care, given the prophecy of God, said he saw a vision and spirit standing before God. And he said, let us go and lure Ahab into war. And God asked them, how will you do this? How? And one of them said, I will go and I will be a lying spirit. I will tell him lies that he wants to hear so that he will go to war and destroy himself. Why am I saying all of this? Should we read it? Or you think I'm making it up? Let me read it. Second Chronicles, chapter 18. Verse 18. Let me read it. It's important I read it so that you know it's in the Bible because I want to bring something out of it. Second Chronicles chapter 18. I'll read it to verse 22. Again, he said, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 18, from verse 18 to 22. Again, he said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. 
I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake, saying after this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? How? How will you do it? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. A spirit stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophets. All of you who think because a man of God said it, it's got to be true, without checking what the man of God has said to see whether it lines up with the word of God, be careful. Thank you, Oyo. You're on your own. Every word must be filtered through the scriptures. Why do I say this? Families have been destroyed just because of what a prophet said. Families have been torn apart just because one prophet somewhere said to you, your mother is a witch and she's the one troubling you. Or the reason why you are not making progress in life is because of your wife or your husband. Why did I read this scripture? Here we have the impression that it's only angels that stand before God. But this scripture shows us that it's not only angels. So. <laughs> it tells us that his spirit stood and said, I will be a lying spirit. Spirits from the devil also stand before God. Okay, you don't believe me. The book of Job confirms that for us. Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 7. He says, now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And what happened? And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going out, from going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Ah, Biburu. Up and down, looking for what does not concern him. He's there in the presence of God. Some of you may have seen it. And it's, that's why we are talking about this. You know, I don't take things for granted anymore. Social media. A so-called man of God said he went into hell and fought the devil 
and he brought the belt of championship. How many of you have seen it? How many of you saw it? Oh, you see? That is why we are talking about this. Only one or two people raised their hands. And guess what? People believe him. He, you, know, you know boxers, when, when you win heavyweight championship or whatever, you know that belt they give them that they put like this or they put it, that big belt? That is what he was carrying. He put it, a prophet, that he went to hell and he fought the devil and defeated the devil and they gave him this belt. People believe him. <laughs> In, hey, God of mercy. If you go to Onicha, eh? If you go to Onicha, 70% of the traders and people there and, and a sizable portion of Nollywood are following him. They are following him. So when we are talking about this, some of you say, ah, pastor, it can't happen. I say it is happening in front of us. I'm saying, if you, I don't even know the one after service you are going to go to. So it's good we talk about it. <laughs> there are so, so many all over the place prophesying in the name of God. Jeremiah chapter 14. Deception. Satan is a master of what counterfeits. What was that prophet trying to emulate? Jesus went to the depths of hell. He defeated Satan and took the keys. It's just that in his own case, it's not keys, it's his belt. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 14. From verse 11. Jeremiah 14 from verse 11. Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for these people for their good. Don't pray for them. Remember, the first scripture we said, told us that they line up people after their own loss to tell them what they want to hear. So God is saying, don't pray for them. Don't pray for them. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offering and an oblation, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword and by famine and by pestilence. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, the prophets say unto them, you shall not see the sword. God says they will see sword. Prophets say they will not see sword. You, you shall not see the sword. Neither shall ye have famine. But I will give you a short peace in this place. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I send them not. Neither have I commanded them. Neither speak unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination. And a thing of naught. And the deceit of their hearts. Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name. And I send, they are prophesying my name and I send them not. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this, in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. You know, we can go on and on, on and on with so many other scriptures warning us of the fact that these things abound. They are here with us. But the question is, what do we do? And what do we watch out for? What do we do and what do we watch out for? As a pastor, I'm telling you, I have counseled people on what to do, only to hear months down the line that these same people are consulting a prophet that is telling them, something about 
their mother and their mother-in-law. So I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. What do we do and what do we watch out for? Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 24, verse 4 and 5. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So number one that we must note, anyone who comes to tell you that they are the Messiah or that they are Christ is an imposter, is a fraud. Anyone who comes to tell you that. The man I told you that went to hell and got the championship belt is one of them. You know he says it's Jesus. He's there in Onichol, somewhere in the east. There's another one in, in, in the Delta. He calls himself Jeremiah something. He's there. He's there. So, you people, shine your eyes. Shine your eyes. And there are so many. There are so many. So, anyone that comes to you and says he's the Christ is an imposter. These are things happening before our eyes. And people are believing them. You see, that is, some things sometimes can be so obvious that you wonder how could people believe such? How could people believe such? How could people believe such? Hmm. Like I said, though, I'm saying it. We need to discuss it. Because I don't know the one after service you will go to. Let's go on. It goes further to tell us to watch out in the same Matthew chapter 24. I will read this time from verse 9 to verse 14. Matthew 24 from verse 9 to verse 14. It says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Jesus is telling us that when persecution increases, there will be so many deceivers. He's telling us that when brethren begin to betray one another, false prophets will arise. He's telling us when followers of Christ are hated, false prophets will begin to arise. Followers of Christ are hated. Boko Haram, uh, Fulani Headsmen, uh, Rise of Islamization. 
Is there anyone here who does not know that you are a target of the other side? Is there anyone who does not know that? That their plan by now is to exterminate and extinguish Christians. How many of you know that the agenda is to turn Nigeria to a nation like Turkey? How many of you know that Turkey used to be, I think, 90 or 80 percent Christians? Today is 95 percent Muslims and 5 percent Christians. That, that's the agenda. How many of you know it's no longer hidden? Oh. Okay. It says, then false prophets shall arise. Verse 24 says, for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders in so much that if it were possible, <laughs> you need to take note of that, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. That's why I say, don't think you are so anointed oh, that you don't know. <laughs> that it can't happen to me. I will give you examples as we go on to let you know that people more anointed have been deceived. The New Living Translation says, so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. God's chosen, is it not? Those that God chose. Are those not the anointed of God? Brethren, rather than running after signs and wonders on top of one mountain, Ori somewhere, Ori okay, Ori wherever, instead of doing that, why don't you pray to be a sign and a wonder yourself? Why don't you ask God, use me also? Use me also the way you possibly are using those people I want to run to. You know, we talked about it last week. We talked about it last week. For us to understand that you also can be empowered. And that is the problem of Christianity. It is them and us. Some special people that God created to manifest his power. Then we are spectators. God did not intend it that way. He didn't. He didn't. Let him that has ears, let him hear. James chapter 1. You know, when people begin to make you feel like it is because they worked very hard to be able to perform signs and wonders, they are setting you up to be deceived. There is no, ah, how can I say this? There is no exclusivity with God. How else can I explain that? Who understands this when I say there is no exclusivity? There is no one that has a secret. Oh, who was that? God bless you. God bless you. There is no one that has a monopoly with God. Ah, you, you delivered me there. Thanks. No one has a monopoly with God. Don't let me ever stand here and tell you that my relationship with God is so special that you can't enter it. It's not true. The Bible tells us that God is no respecter of persons. I said it last week. Jesus, who is the son of God, the begotten, the only begotten, 
disciples saw what he was doing, how he lays hands and he heals, how he speaks and it happens. They said, that thing you go to do there, teach us how you do it, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, you want to know how to pray? Let's pray like this. What was the first thing he said? Our Father. He did not tell them, my Father who is in heaven, so that they begin to say, how can we become sons? He said, our Father. James chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17 says, Do not err. Another translation, the New Living Translation says, Do not be misled. My beloved brethren, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What is he saying? Anyone who is exercising a gift is by the grace of God. God gave him. Grace. Somebody gives you the impression that, ha, is the work I walk to, so my relationship with God is so special. Nothing like that. It's grace. It's grace. Every good and every perfect gift is from where? From above. Whatever anyone has is by grace, lest any man should boast. Verse 22 goes on. In that same James chapter 1. You see? It goes on to tell us that we could become targets of deception. What does it say? It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What is the scripture saying to us here? Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. If you are one who only listens but does not do, he says you are a target of deception. And the greater deception is not the deception that you deceive others, but the deception that you deceive yourself. you are accustomed to just hearing and never doing, you have joined the rank of deceivers. And the worst kind of deceit is self-deceit. So you are not waiting for any prophet to deceive you. You are the one deceiving yourself. I don't know if anybody understands me. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. It reads, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 to 19. Let no man deceive you. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. You know, some people have no consideration of God in their dealings with people. Oh, you meet such people. They just believe that outsmarting people is the best way to live. Have you come across such people? They just think that they are wise. The word called this, they say to themselves that I'm sharp. And if you are such a person, the scripture is making you understand that you are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. 
that the devil is this i know what devil the devil is leading you into a rabbit hole that's what he's doing god traps the wise that's what the new living translation say. god traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness <laughs> they used to talk of ibb as maradona he's not he's a dribbler you see he thought he was wise until he dribbled himself haven't you seen footballers on the field dribble 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 then they dribble themselves and score goal against to their own side another deception is in james chapter 1 verse 26 james chapter 1 verse 26 and 27 if any man among you seem to be religious and breed let not his tongue but deceived his own heart this man's religion is vain pure religion and undefiled before god and the father is this to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world you know there are people that talk all christianese hallelujah have you met such people anything they say oh the spirit told me the spirit did this ah, you meet all manners of people though. different kinds i mean there's no, christian that's what they call christianese their mouth is sweet but if you follow their mouth you may end up in destruction they have so much Christianese, but yet they have absolutely no integrity and practical love in their lives. You see, no matter that Christianese you speak, but you have no care and passion and compassion for the widow. You see, your religion is vain. You have no passion for the helpless, for the orphan, for the widow, for the less privileged. He says what? that christianese is fake jesus said by their fruits you shall know them that is how to watch out again for another set of what deceivers can we go on i'm not talking to you i'm reading the bible though. i'm not i'm not addressing anybody i'm just talking are we together ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 6 to buttress that point he says suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin neither say thou before the angel that it was an error wherefore should god be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands you say something and you don't do it we're talking about it as workers this morning it's not an excuse to stand before god i didn't mean it to. if you have said it do it Something else to watch out for, to know deception is around the corner. We find it in 1 John chapter 8. 1 John chapter 1, sorry, verse 8. Is somebody following me? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. We can read it through to verse 9 or 10. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Are you seeing where deception is all the way? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Make who a liar? You make God a liar. 
and his word is not in us. Do I need to say more? You know, some people are extremely critical of others. Can I tell you, so that we understand this scripture, when you are very critical of people, what you are suggesting is that you have no fault. Do you know that? When you are always criticizing what you are trying to pass on by being very critical is to say that you, you have no fault. So you don't have to say, I have no sin. Your actions are already saying that. Let's look at one more deception, one more, and I round up. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I'll read from verse 14. Revelation chapter 3. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, This thing saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that I would thou wert cold or hot. God is saying, I would have preferred that you were either cold or you were hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee, I will spit thee out of my mouth. Because thou seest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that, thou, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So, what are the ways we fall into deception? One of them. Is lukewarmness so many lukewarm people believe through Satan's deception that all they need do is to love God in their hearts but do nothing is anybody hearing me yes. there are so many people who are doing nothing for God but if you ask them they'll tell you that I love God and I say to you, where love does not find expression is no love. Lukewarm. Neither cold nor hot, but they believe that they are doing fine. Deception. People who cannot be counted for anything. Verse 17 says, Pursuit of material wealth can also be very deceptive. You can pursue material wealth to the extent that money becomes your God. Why? Because a lot of people believe that the wealthier they are is a sign that God is with them. People equate material wealth for the blessings of God. The Bible is telling us that that is deception number two. A lot of 
people feel that there's nothing to do, nothing to add, no effort to make simply because I have been, in quote, blessed materially. But money is a messenger. Money is a tool. A tool for glorification or a tool of destruction. Who you are is what amplifies the money in your hands. If you are a womanizer, if you are an alcoholic, the more money you have, the more women you carry. The more alcohol you drink. If you are a humble person, a righteous person, the more money you have will reflect in your humility and in the works of your righteousness. Money does not define you. You define money. Still part of this Revelation chapter 3 we read. He said they feel they have no need of nothing. But they don't know they are wretched and miserable. People full of pride. But yet do not realize that God is the one covering their nakedness. He said you are under the deception of the enemy. Oh, don't you know some people, the motive for them coming to church is to be able to join cliques. Clique of the happening people. <laughs> you don't know, you don't understand. The worst place to come to and find haughtiness, pride, is the church. There are some places you go to, some churches you go to, and you can touch pride. How many of you have been to such places? You can feel pride. You can use knife to cut it. It's almost tangible. Everybody is doing what? Buga. It's good we say these things. So that these things will never be found here. You know what? The more God blesses you, the more humble you should be. I pray that no one will walk into here and find pride. Amen. I was telling the workers of somebody this morning, Koscharis, if you meet the man, you wouldn't know he's a billionaire. You will not know. I attend a fellowship with him. You will not know. You will not know. These are the kind of lives that should inspire us. These are the kind of lives. I know, I know the CEO of a bank who says, sa, sa, sa. He's not saying it because he just wants to be religious. That is him. I know the general manager of a bank that when he steps foot here and you put leg there, he will warn you. GM, CEO. (laughs) 
You know one thing about being in Lagos is that no matter how big you are, you must find somebody bigger than you. No matter how much money you have, you must find somebody who is richer than you. No matter how fine you are, you must see somebody who is finer than you. That's the truth. Then the last part, he said, those that the Lord loves, he chastens, he disciplines. Those who refuse and frown at correction. People who feel they are above reproach. They do not understand that the devil is deceiving them. Because who God loves, he disciplines. If you are in an organization, if you are in a family, if you are in a church, and nobody can correct you, the devil is setting you up for the firing squad. There are people you correct. They will say it with their mouths, but their eyes are telling you, how dare you? Do you know who I am? Who are you? I'm asking, who are you? The Bible says, nothing you have that God did not give. Who are you? It just takes a twinkle of an eye and God will withdraw that thing. And you see you are nothing. Ah, yo, thank you. Queen Elizabeth is inside coffin. They are moving her about. The most powerful woman in the world. Who are you? Who are you? The Bible says, do not think of yourself. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. More highly than you ought to. Humility is one of the greatest ways to ward off deception. I've said it here before now. No matter what people tell you, don't believe oh. I can come down here. Oh, Pastor, your message was so in fact eh? nobody preaches like you. I don't believe it. Oh. It's good to encourage me. <laughs> but I know that if I believe that, maybe the reason the person is saying that to me is because I ended the service in time. I didn't waste time. <laughs> Human beings, you can never tell their heart. That is why he said it. You say, oh, Pastor, man, you're, you're, you are so, your message is so. What he's saying is different from what is in his heart. Yeah. If you believe people, everything they say to you, you will end up in destruction. So as I close, because of time, those people, our friends behind, they are harassing me. <laughs> but they are doing their work. <laughs> what do I do, pastor, you may ask? What do I do? Quickly. The Bible says, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing 
the word of truth. The truth of God's word is not relative, it's absolute. A workman that does not need to be ashamed, you know the way I interpret that? One day we'll start, okay, I've told you people before, the lawyers here will tell us, I don't know whether they still do it today. In my time, when you go to law school and you sit the exam, when result comes, they put it in the newspaper. Do they still do it? They don't do it anymore. But they did it in your time, Tabby? Ah, okay. That's how we know young lawyers now. They will put it in, which one was, and at one time, Daily Times was the most read newspaper. They put, they, in law school, will chatter pages in Daily Times and put the names, those who are first class, second class. Then they put it on the notice board. That is the day of what? What they call it? Day of reckoning. Those who will be triumphing and shouting will shout that day. Those who will be ashamed will be ashamed on that day. When the scriptures say workman that needs not to be ashamed, when we stand before God, some will be happy and some will be ashamed. Why would they be ashamed? Ah, Lord, I went to Orio, whatever, okay, or whatever, and they told me that my mother-in-law, my mother, was the witch troubling me. And because of that, I did this. And my mother died and died without Christ. And God said, you will suffer for that. Why? Sir, it's the prophet that told me, he will ask you, did you, where did you read it in the Bible? In my word that I gave to you, where did you read it? Ah, no, I didn't read it to you, but it's just prophet, this pastor that told me. He says, that day, you'll be ashamed. He will ask you, did I not give you my word? Did I not exalt my word above every other thing? Why did you take a man's word above my word? He says, study. So, most of you that are playing games, or the only time you hear anything about the Bible is when you come to church on Sunday. It's not me you are doing, no? Who are you doing? You are doing yourself. That is the deception he's talking about. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you don't open your Bible. Even when you come on Sunday, you don't come with Bible. Somebody said phone. But you and I know that you don't even look at that phone. Or you do every other thing in that phone. Twitter, WhatsApp, Instagram. But the Bible app there, you don't open it. If I'm talking to you, just say, hmm. That is the correction we are talking about. God is correcting you so that you can become better. After that, hmm. In your breath, because you don't want the person next to you to hear. Just say, God help me. Inside your breath, they won't hear. God help me. Be eager to learn. Eager. Eager to learn. Excited at learning new things about God. Excited at having a new experience in God. Don't, don't. Oh my God. Sunday school. Sunday school. Sunday school. Is broken down by people that God gave the gift of teaching. I can't count how many times I sit at Sunday school and I'm blessed. Me, pastor, if I ask you, open to Jeremiah, you'll be looking for it in the New Testament. And yet, you won't come for Sunday school. 
Our pastor used to say to us, if you don't know and yet you think you know, you are what? A fool. Gio is still learning. If Gio is seated in this church now as I'm preaching, he will take his note and he will be writing. Because no one man knows it all. He will be writing, he will be taking notes. Sunday school was inspired, painstakingly prepared to break down Christianity for us. But we are not coming. House fellowship, midweek service. What we are doing is Sunday, Sunday medicine. There are praying Christians. Life is not like that. Life is not about entertainment. Life is more serious than that. You know that sweet things are not always good for us. How many of us know that? Things that have sugar. They are the worst things for us. When you grow, you begin to find out that the bitter things are better. They say truth is bitter. Secondly, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. I'm closing with this scripture. I promise. <laughs> God help me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Boy, somebody being blessed. Stand therefore. I'm asking, what do we do, Abby? Stand therefore, having your loins get about with truth tight truth on your waist and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation be born again be born again don't be coming to church and be pretending like you are born again but you know deep down in your heart you are not. You deceive nobody but who? Yourself. Somebody's eyes have made me forget what I'm saying. I, I'm not referring to you. I'm just talking. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Then verse 18. Look at this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all sins because of time the last part verse 18 let me just dwell on that a bit is very important and very instructive there's no way you can succeed in this race without prayers please hear me hear me I'm not just talking about prayers, but praying in the Holy Ghost. All of you who are Christians but are satisfied with not being able to speak in tongues, you don't know what you are doing to yourself. You don't know. This morning, somebody just, just in the Sunday school they just re-emphasized or reiterated something which is very important. 
baptism. That's not what I'm talking about. But they just said something this morning when we were doing Sunday school. That one of the activities we do that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are together present is in baptism. And God says, when you repent, be what? Be baptized. A lot of us think that when God says these things, even if you don't understand it, that it means nothing. When Jesus was dipped into the water, a voice came from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. God the Father. And what? The Holy Spirit descended like a dove from heaven. Holy Spirit was present in the baptism. Then Jesus was the one who was being baptized. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's about time we took our Christianity serious. If God tells you to do something, do it even when you don't understand it. Do it and understand later. When they told those servants when they needed water, at the, when they needed wine at the wedding of Cana, I keep saying, they didn't understand what it meant. We need wine. Say, go fetch water and put. It is after they had done it that they understood what they were doing. When God says for you to do something, do it. Praying always with all prayer and supplication where in the spirit. You don't know how limited you are when you do not pray in the Holy Ghost. There's just as much as we as human beings can understand when we pray in our understanding. It's limited. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it is God praying through you. Why? Because God does nothing except in answer to prayers. He knows that it's not everything you will understand to pray about, but pray you must, so let me help you pray. And he prays through you. Somebody can call you now, God forbid. Oh, your son or your daughter uh, fell on the ground. What made the son or daughter fall? You don't know. Who are they taking him to? You don't know. Does the doctor, did he just finish smoking Igbo? You don't know. You don't know what you should pray for. How many of you know that? You don't. What if they carry him to a doctor that just finished smoking in their hem? And he will leave scissors in the stomach. What if? So you're praying, you say, God, whoever, when you pray in the spirit, will attend to this child, let that person have presence of mind. Because you don't know what to pray about. God helps you to pray. Never be satisfied with your present religious attainment such that you never want to experience God in a different way. No, that is not what church is about. I'm okay where I am. You don't long to be better, to be deeper, to be higher. No. I want to encourage us. Let us not be careless about our spiritual lives. Because the spirit realm is what determines the physical. The spirit realm is what determines the physical. You struggle unnecessarily here 
when you have not sorted things out there. Shall we rise? The first step before anything is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first step. Before we pray the prayer we want to pray. Just one prayer. Just one. If you are here and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, for him to be your savior and to be your Lord, I just want you to wave your hand at me. All I want to do is to pray with you. On a particular day, I standing here took that decision. Maybe God arranged this service just for you. Don't miss that opportunity. If you are here and you have not accepted Jesus Christ, you know deep or you are not sure that if you were to drop dead now, you will make heaven. You don't have that assurance. It is you I'm making this call for. Just wave your hand. Nothing to be ashamed about. He said, if you deny me before men, I also will deny you before my father. The people that are standing by you, your left to your right, who are not raising their hands, they probably have done this at a time when you were not there. Now is your turn. Thank you, my sister, for raising your hand. Somebody here, something tells me there's still somebody here who needs to make this decision. Do not let today pass you by. Do not let today because this opportunity may never arise again. Oh, yes. They preached to somebody and he said, when I go to Abuja and come back, I will accept Jesus Christ. He entered the plane but never came back. The plane crashed. You do not know what the next five minutes of your life holds. So I want to ask for the last time, for the last time, if you are here, thank you, my brother. If you are here, thank you, my sister. If you are here and you are not sure that if I die now, I will make heaven. This call is for you. For the last time, is there anyone who's saying this? Jesus, I need you in my life to be my Savior and my Lord. One more time. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. One more time. I just have this feeling that there's still somebody who needs to make this decision. And all I'm trying to do is to make sure that you do not miss an opportunity for eternity. It's not just an opportunity of a lifetime. It's an opportunity for eternity. You do not miss it today. God may be merciful to you and give you another opportunity. But since you don't know what the next five minutes of your life holds, now is the time. Now is the time to surrender your life. Is there someone else who's saying, Jesus, please be bold. Just lift that hand up. You're saying, Jesus, I want you in my life today. I want a new beginning. Anyone who's doing that? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. That's good. That's good. Glory to God. Glory to God. I want us all to pray along with these people. And particularly those whose hands are lifted up. I want you to pray with me. This is the greatest and the most powerful decision of a lifetime. Like I said, Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I also will deny you before my Father in heaven. So I just want to ask one more thing so that I can pray with you. All of you with your hands lifted up, come forward. I want to pray with you. Just come forward. Boldly, smartly, just come forward. Just come forward. Come forward. If you are clapping, clap. Clap. Because heaven is celebrating. Heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing. 
before I pray with you, I just want you to know that this is the greatest decision of your lifetime. And my prayer for you, because I know it, is that you will never regret this decision. When you leave here now, and you tell somebody, I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I'm born again. They may laugh at you, they may mock you. Oh, so you are one of them born again? Boldly assert yourself and tell them, yes, I am. I'm a child of God. Because that is what you are about to do. By raising your hand and coming forward, you are saying, I no longer want to belong to the world. I want to belong to God. And God will honor your decision in the name of Jesus. So just say after me, Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to come and die for me and take away my sins. I confess that before now I have lived my life as a sinner. But today I do a U-turn and I receive and accept Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life as my Savior and my Lord. Thank you, Father, for saving me from hellfire. I declare by faith that I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I lift up every one of these ones, so God, who even have humbled themselves by kneeling down. You said that those who humble themselves, you will lift up. Lord God, I pray for each one of them that as they have set their hands on the plow, they will never look back. Amen. When you return, oh God, Lord God, you will find them. Amen. Shed light in the parts of their destinies, oh God. And Lord God, do not let any one of them stumble anymore. Amen. Whenever we hear from them, oh God, let it be good news. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Please stand to your feet. Let me shake you all. You've taken a wonderful decision. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can go back to your seat. Somebody will talk to all of you after the service. For the rest of us, I want us to just pray one prayer because of time. Just one prayer. I want to say, Lord, let the light of your word shield me from deception in the name of Jesus. Let the light of your word shield me from deception in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, let your, lie, let your word produce light in my life. And let that light shield me from any form of deception, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. I will not be swept away. I will not be lured by the subtle deceptions of the enemy, O oh God. Lord God, shed light. Shed light upon your word and give me the grace. The grace to study your word, to read your word. The grace, O oh God, to embrace your word, to enter into a relationship with your word. Lord God, give me that grace and let that word, let it, O oh Lord, shield me from any form of deception so that I will not miss it. I will not take a wrong turn. When you return, O oh God, you will find me intact. Lord, I bless you. Lord, I bless you. Thank you, Father Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so shall it be. 
in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One more thing I feel led to do. If you are here and you don't speak in tongues, you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, but you believe that God sent his Holy Spirit to help us in the place of intercession, I want you to come forward. I want to hold hands with you and I want to pray with you. If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, you don't speak in tongues when you pray, just come forward. Just come forward very quickly. You have a desire that when you pray, you want to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come forward. It's not just for those who surrender their lives, but for those who are perhaps in much older Christians. Just come forward. I want to pray with you. You are saying that all I do when I pray is that I pray in my language. I pray in English, but I don't pray in any other language. I want you to just step forward. Step forward. I want to pray with you. I want you to believe, believe that God will give you a language in the Holy Ghost. A language of the Spirit beginning from today to help your praying, to help your intercession. Because God requires us to pray and pray always. He doesn't want us to faint when we are praying. Just come with boldness. our prayer that the Holy Spirit will do it in your life that is your prayer that God will walk a walk in you and he will give you a language of the Spirit now let me explain this to us everything that a child of God does they do by faith they do by faith I'm not going to bring out a magic wand and say by this magic wand, you it's just by you believing that you are a child of God and God can walk through you. So what do you do? You lend your voice for the Holy Spirit to use. Okay? You lend your voice. Is not? The Holy Spirit not, does not want to use my voice. He wants to use your own voice. He wants to use your own voice. Your own voice. So by faith, you activate it. So as I begin to pray for you, I will lay hands on you. By faith. You are not expecting an angel to land on you. No. The things of the faith, the things of faith are not physical. Because some of you are here, you are saying, okay, as pastor is praying for me, maybe something will fly and just touch me. Then I know that God has come. No. Faith is in the heart. Is in the heart. So if you believe that as I pray for you, you have gotten it. Begin boldly to speak it. Speak it with boldness. Give your voice. Give it utterance. Vocalize it. And everything that a Christian does not only happens by faith, but happens by practice. So when you begin to speak now, you may not be able to speak the way I speak. 
but as you practice it as you keep on doing it your language becomes better and better i will relate it to a little child a two-year-old child cannot speak the way you do is it not but as they continue to talk their language becomes clearer and better so you may not be able to maybe all you will be saying today is potato 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 maybe who knows okay you may not be able to speak it like i do but whatever comes to your mind and your heart speak it out that is what god is waiting for he's waiting for you to speak it out and let him perfect it okay
Jesus' name we pray. You can go back to your seats. God bless you. 